0: So let's begin by looking at negligence, which makes up a big part of the law of tort. Negligence, as I studied it, I broke it apart into four main sections. Duty of care, breach, causation and remoteness. So we'll begin by going through my spider graph, which is also available as a PDF for you to download and have a look at. Along with the case summaries and the quiz at the end of this particular lesson. Now, I urge you download the PDF, have a look at it, follow along as I am reading out what the sections are, then you'll get a better understanding of it before you have a look at it. But mind you, it's always advisable to actually make your own spider graph or mind map. This is just a reference. It works if you're the one who actually writes and draws whatever that you need to remember those particular sections and all of these lessons This, as well as any other uh, tutorial that I'm doing here, is actually a mechanism by which to put everything in context. So it's not a substitute for thorough learning and knowledge. It'll just put everything into a bigger scheme of things, a big picture. So at the end of the day, when you go for an examination, you have the best idea possible on how exactly to approach each and every question. So you'll have a mental map of it. Cool. So let's begin with the duty of care. Duty of care is actually one of the most interesting areas in negligence in um, tort itself. So as of now, contemporarily, the test is by Caparo and Dickman. It's available in the case summaries. Have a look at it. The test is three parts foreseeability, proximity, and just in reasonableness. Each part has a particular case that goes along with it. For instance, foreseeability. You can look at Langley and Dre proximity, Watson versus British Boxing, and just in reasonableness, you can have a look at McFarlane and Tayside Health. Whereas this goes to sort of showcase the contemporary uh, viewpoint, Potts J., as in Justice Potts, in B versus Islington Health, concluded that personal injury still has the test stated in Donohue and Stevenson, the seminal case of the decomposed snail in the ginger beer bottle. Duty of care also means we have to look at psychiatric injury which means people who have not suffered or was never in a danger of suffering physical harm but have suffered psychiatric injury or some psychiatric harm due to something they saw, something they heard of even. So the definition here is there is no physical uh, harm but only mental and the definition in psychiatric injury itself was defined in White versus Chief Constable of South Yorkshire. There are several classes of people that uh, could sustain or court defines as can sustain uh, psychiatric injury. One is the unwitting agent, as seen in Hunter versus British Cole. Then you have bystanders, who most of the time, or generally, are not allowed to claim in tort for a psychiatric injury, such as Bohill versus Young. Employees also can be a class of people who suffer psychiatric injury, much like the unwitting agent in Hunter versus British Coal, but it's looked at, more or less, under employers' liability. You have the very defined state of affairs in rescuers, where you have normal rescuers, as in people who approach a scene of an accident, good Samaritans. And most of the time, they are loved or they are afforded a claim purely due to public policy, such as in Chadwick versus British Railways. Whereas professionals, in the same regard, are not afforded that same luxury primarily because they accept the responsibility when they take on the job at hand a controversial area in psychiatric injury is friends and relatives specifically the famous case of alcock versus chief constable of south yorkshire as well as McLaughlin versus o'brien these were instances where loved ones had suffered injury but ironically they had not seen or witnessed the accident firsthand. They had either, in the case of Alcock, seen it on the TV or, in the case of McLaughlin, soon after the accident. So in the case of McLaughlin, it was quite clear-cut in the sense that, on appeal, she was provided a remedy or she was was given her claim because she had seen uh, the victims soon after the accident before they were dressed up. Besides the classes themselves, we have to consider what situations can be considered as invoking psychiatric injury. For instance, in North Lamorgan and Walters, it can be caused by a series of events, as stated by the court. As in, it need not be one particular instance, it can be several instances consecutively that lead to psychiatric injury. But, for instance, in Scion versus Hampstead Health, court held that it cannot be a slow death. We have to also look at the instances where, unlike actual actions being done, inactions causing or rather leading to liability in tort. So, for instance, the very basic rule, the rule of thumb here, is that where there is no duty, there need not be any liability. However, there are exceptions to this. A very interesting case in this regard is Uh, Barrett versus the Ministry of Defence, where it was held that if you voluntarily undertake responsibility, there would be a duty owed, if breached, would cause you to be liable in a particular tort. Another instance is quite interestingly in the case of uh, fire services, where if you positively worsen a situation by not acting, that also can become liable in your regard. Now, the case of Capital and Counties versus Hampshire County Council is a very good example for this. Have a look at it in the case summaries. It's a, it's, it's an example to showcase where uh, public authorities were held liable, and we'll look at why that is important a little bit later. Besides the uh, physical injury, the psychiatric injury, another crucial element within uh, duty of care, within the duty of care, is where damage is caused due to economic loss. Once again, if there is a voluntary undertaking of responsibility, the defendant would be liable, as held in Dean versus Elaine and Watts. What this states or what this stipulates is where, in general, there might not be a liability, but if there is voluntarily, in the premise of two or more parties, responsibility is undertaken, as in, let me handle this, for instance, the defendant will be liable. One of the famous cases and now sort of uh, looked after by the Misrepresentation Act of 1967 is Hedley, Hedley and Heller, Hedley-Byrne and Heller rather. The economic loss caused here was by a negligent misstatement. However, there was no liability imposed because there were extenuating circumstances. Another rule of thumb as held by court is where there was a duty established and breached and finally the defendant was held liable, that liability cannot extend for a claim for future profit, it can only be for whatever profit that you have lost up to now, or whatever whatever monetary damages which are tangible and an interesting case in this regard is Spartan Steel and Martin. Have a look at that as well it's a case where there was a, an electrical failure in which case the entire factory had to shut down. but the court held that it was unreasonable for uh, the claimants to ask for compensation or for ask for damages for future profit, which might not be, which might not tangibly be possible to define. Reliance on the defendant also imposes liability on the defendant. Now, this is very crucial when it comes to professions or professionals rather. Now, we've looked at a lot of um, instances where duty has been established and irrespective of the person that it's been imposed upon, except for, as I mentioned earlier, in Chadwick, it has been held either liable or not liable based on the reasonable, reasonableness of the situation on a case-by-case basis. However, one anomaly in this regard is where special groups are involved. And what I mean by special groups are people who are either local authorities, as in the case of X versus BCC, Emergency services, such as as we looked at earlier, capital and counties versus Hampshire County Council, ambulance services like Kent and Griffiths, police, such as Rigby uh, and Chief Constable of Northamptonshire, but even in this, what court looks at is the public policy cautioned, and what that means is whether it is reasonable to hold a public authority, a local authority or emergency services, ambulance or any other services which are essential uh, to a community liable for something which might be trivial, number one, or might have benefited a greater group of people, yet hindered this one individual. Now it's a very, um, it's a very controversial area in tort law as well, as in whereas there might be a public authority which is held liable in one occasion and not in another. So have a look at each of these cases, specifically cases such as Rigby and Chief Constable of uh, Northamptonshire, Capital and Counties and uh, Hampshire County Council, as we looked at earlier, worsening the situation in the case of omissions, and X and BCC uh, or Bedfordshire County Council uh, in the case of a local authority.